Hi, welcome to the Business Vitality Podcast. I am your host, Katherine Canty. You can learn more about me and my team at katherinecanty.com. For more than two decades, I have been able to travel the country and help other people grow their business. From those experiences, I was able to work with a proposal team that generated success 90% of the time for over a decade. We have created a leadership coaching program that is creating 100% measured results as seen by the leaders, peers, and stakeholders. And finally, I've spent nearly a decade in boardrooms, corporate boardrooms, where we are learning what's working and what's not. And more importantly, we're able to take the communication from the boardroom and get it down to the front line so execution is easier to implement. You know, from all these experiences, we created a framework called Business Vitality. These are all of the best practices of leaders and and opportunities that have been coming up decade after decade. And a lot of this stuff has been in practice for more than 20 years, 30 years and beyond. And what we're learning is a lot of these folks that are remaining vital in business today are having to think differently. And to share a quote from one of my CEOs that I've worked with in the past, he told me all day long he can hire folks, but what he needs more of are people who think outside the box. So in an effort to pay it forward and celebrate successes, we are going to be sharing stories of leaders who are thinking differently and remaining vital in business today. Please stick to the end and we will share how you can be a guest on the show. And thanks so much for being here. Good morning, Ryan Gottfriedson. You are the leadership consultant and a leadership professor, and you can be found on the web at ryangottfriedson.com. Thank you so much for being here. Catherine, thanks for having me. We've been connected. I was trying to think, been connected for uh, over a couple of years, I think now. Um, it was definitely pre-COVID. Um, and uh, it, it's, I would say we've done a good job of staying in touch, but partly because I really love staying in touch with you. So uh, it's really an honor to be on your show. Well, you're you're an easy guy to talk with, an easy person just to be able to um, share and brainstorm with. And I have to say it was one of my, I hate to say a typical way that I connect with people, but I heard your story on someone else's podcast, Whitney Johnson's podcast, and she did a live coaching session with you, which takes a lot of guts to put yourself out there. And she challenged you and you accepted it and you did it. And I was like, oh my God, I have to get in touch with this guy (laughs) and ended up reaching out to you and hiring you to come in and, and do a talk at one of our big sales conferences. And that was a couple of years ago, definitely pre COVID and, um, you're a delight to work with and stay in touch with and brainstorm with. So I think the world of you, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate yeah, it. For sure. Thank you. So tell me a little bit about what you're doing today. You, um, you, you have, I know at least one book that is phenomenal. Um, you are also a professor. Tell me a little bit about what your day-to-day work looks like right now. Oh man, it kind of depends on the week. Uh, I feel like I have, um, three major priorities. So one, two of the priorities come from my position as being a professor at Cal State Fullerton. So I have some priorities to do some research uh, and generate new knowledge around leadership. Uh, Two is to teach. So I teach undergraduate and graduate students about leadership. And then my, I would almost say my second full-time job is being a consultant uh, where I work with organizations all over the world to develop their leaders and and help them uh, what I call is vertically develop. I help them elevate uh, themselves so that they can operate at a higher level. 
You're definitely global. And you were talking about going to Germany and different countries. And this was a few years ago. So um, yeah, you are you are global and you are helping a lot of people with mindsets. And you begin to hear more and more about mindsets and the importance of it in the world of business. And, you know, just out of curiosity, what first piqued your interest into mindsets and emotional intelligence? And how did all that get started? Yeah, it started um, during my, I mean, I've always been fascinated about leadership. And during my doctoral program at Indiana University, I did my dissertation on leadership, which allowed me to review the last 70 years of leadership research. And that was really great. Um, And what I observed from that is that the majority of leadership research primarily focuses on answering one question. And it's, it's not an unimportant question, but the question is, what do leaders need to do to be effective? And, and it, it's a helpful question. It's led to some really practical takeaways, but it's never really sat very well with me because I don't know about you, Catherine, but I, I don't think that leadership is about doing the right things. I think that leadership is about being a certain type of person, being somebody that other people want to follow. And so my focus coming out of my doctoral program has been trying to dive into how do we tap into the being element of leadership. And as I've gotten into this more and more, what I've learned is that the foundation of our being is actually our mindsets, how we see the world around us and that people see the world differently. Everybody has different mindsets and and most people aren't attuned to what mindsets they have. But if we can help them awaken to their mindsets, we can empower them to change their being. And so that's hopefully a a fairly quick summary of my journey to kind of where I'm at now. Okay. So I gave you some of the questions ahead of time. I'm going to give you kind of a a different question along the way here. So you're talking about mindsets and, and being a leader that you want to follow or have other people follow you. I'm working with a team of folks around the topic of time management. It is in um, a company that is just growing exponentially just year over year over year. It's phenomenal. And when you look at, you know, what they're working on and their ability to kind of be vulnerable and to be able to put themselves out there and know for them to maximize their time, they're going to have to change things up. Can you talk a little bit about that mindset? And I, I think time management is a big topic today because we're just trying to get more out of the same 24 hours every day. Is there maybe maybe a few insights around the mindset of these leaders? You know, you you stretch them to keep them growing, but how do you keep stretching them to keep growing beyond that? Do you have some ideas? Well, yeah. I, I One of the things that I've observed working with thousands of leaders is that the primary blocks to their effectiveness in their leadership reside in some sort of internal fear that they have. And, and the, the fears get flipped in terms of desires. And, and maybe the way to introduce this is, Catherine, let, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you four different desires that I think leaders can have. And you tell me whether or not society says these are good or bad desires. Is that okay? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So there's the desire to look good, the desire to be right, the desire to avoid problems, and the desire to get ahead. Does society say those are good or bad desires? Oh, we need all of those. That's what we're striving for, right? Well, it's interesting, I'm, I'm, right? I'm going into your I'm going into your question here, but yeah, that's what they put on us. That that's something that we need to have. 
right? And I think leaders in particular feel a lot of pressure to have these desires, to look good, be right, avoid problems, and get ahead. Um, but when we have these desires, where is our focus? It's on us. It's on ourselves, right? And we're never going to be an effective leader if our focus is on ourselves. But the thing about these desires is they're incredibly justifiable because who wants to look bad, be wrong, have problems and get passed up? Well, nobody does, right? And so the leaders that I work with when when they, and there's some statistics out there that are really interesting, like 75% of employees say that their boss is the most stressful part of their job. 65% of employees would rather have a new boss over more pay, right? Why is it that so many employees are frustrated with their boss or their manager? Well, it's likely because their boss or their manager is holding on to some of these fears, these desires to look good, be right, avoid problems, and get ahead. And that causes them to be more focused on themselves than on the people that they're leading. And and that could be catastrophic to, to people's leadership. So when you talk about great leaders, leaders that are doing really great things, they have different desires. And the desires that they generally have are the desires to learn and grow, to find truth and think optimally, to reach goals, and to lift others. And and it's easy to say those things. It's much harder to live out in practice because, for example, if we want to learn and grow, we've got to be okay with looking bad at times because those are the times we're going to learn and grow the most. If we want to find truth and think optimally, we've got to be okay with being wrong at times. If we want to reach goals, we've got to be okay with having problems. If we want to lift others, we've got to be okay with putting ourselves on the back burner. And it's just not easy to get there. And as we make the shifts from this, I call it self-preservation mode to contribution mode, that's the impact that we need to have. And that the foundation of all of these desires are either negative mindsets or positive mindsets. And so that's where my work comes in when I work with organizations and leaders is to help them to see where are they at in terms of these mindsets and their respective desires and how do we move the needle? Because if we can move the needle, what we're really doing at a foundational level is we're, we're changing their being so that they could operate at a higher level. I love that. So you've got, I think, a survey. Can, can you talk about that? It's, it's an assessment survey. I think it's on your website. Can you talk a little bit about that? I know that when we worked together a number of years ago, you brought the survey into our group and um, we weren't exactly open-minded. And, um, you know, everybody thought, well, I'm open-minded. It's the rest of y'all that are not going to do so well on the survey. So we had a room of over a hundred people of not so open-minded people who thought they were open-minded. So can you talk about your assessment and how that's worked over the years? And um, we can even have fun with the results that I saw of yeah, ourselves. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. So I, on my website, ryangoffordson.com, I have a free mindset assessment. And again, the purpose for this is just to help people awaken to the quality of their mindset. So when somebody takes my mindset assessment, their mindsets are compared to 20,000 other people who have taken my mindset assessment. And it gives them a sense of where do they stack up? Bottom quartile, second quartile, third quartile, or fourth quartile. And we get a sense of the quality of their mindsets across four different sets of mindsets, which we've kind of hinted at with these different desires. And and this is powerful because, like I mentioned, most people 
they believe that they have positive mindsets. They believe that they have really good mindsets. I mean, if they thought they could have better mindsets, they probably would have changed already. But the reality is, is that, and what I found across 20,000 people who have taken my mindset assessment is only 2.5% are in the top quartile for all four sets of mindsets. So that means most of us, myself included, have got some work to do on our mindsets. And, and so, but we will never be willing or even interested in doing that work unless we first recognize the current quality of our mindsets and maybe recognize, oh, there's maybe one or two mindsets that I really need to work on. And, and then we can move the needle. Then we become empowered to do that. And so when I work with organizations, as you alluded to, I'll generally have the group of leaders or employees take my mindset assessment. We'll aggregate their results up to the collective level, and we'll get a sense of what are the mindsets of us as a group. And the group that uh, that I worked with with you, as you mentioned, is they had more of a closed mindset, right? They were more focused on being right than finding truth and thinking optimally. And if I remember correctly, they were also more focused on looking good than on learning and growing. Um, and and those are justifiable because there are, I, you can probably speak to this better than I could, but what I read from the data is that the culture in that environment socially incentivized looking good and being right. And, and so people took that on and, and that happened to be a fixed and a closed mindset, which is again, justifiable, but was wrecking havoc on their ability to move the organization in a future ready way. And I think that that's one of the reasons why you guys brought me in. It was how do we move the needle? How do we become less stagnant and stuck in the past and more agile and future ready in the future? And at the core of all of that is mindsets. So I have to um, kind of close the loop a little bit on that in case no one is familiar with me and you stumbled across this podcast, um, an industry that I spent a lot of time in is banking. And uh, I think it, it in traditional banking, yeah, you're, you're paid to, to be right and to look good and, um, and don't mess up. So um, that's a, huff, a, a tough one to, uh, to overcome. And I kind of have to chuckle about it um, that, you know, that's, that's what it is. So do you have a, a particular um, maybe case study or an example of where you were able to come into an organization and be able to use this work and, and be able to kind of measure some change or be able to see some change as a result of it? And do you mind sharing maybe one of those or two of those success stories? Yeah, let me, let me share two. So one is more quantitative and the other is qualitative. Um, one, one of the companies I worked with is in the agricultural space, and they um, it's kind of a system of co-ops. And, and what we did was we were working with corporate headquarters, about 350 employees, and we had them take my mindset assessment in advance of an initial workshop. So they took my mindset assessment, and their results weren't very good. Um, we did a workshop, and then over the next six months, they did a string of book clubs with my book. And that was, that was all they really did. And then six months later, we reassessed the mindsets. And, and what we found is that the mindsets had shifted significantly to be more positive. And, and what was incredible to me is that through relatively little intervention, we saw some mindset shifts. And I think the reason for that was because this is just something they weren't conscious of before. And now they saw, if you will, a higher ideal. And I think that they all aspired 
to reach that ideal. And we saw those shifts. Now, they've, they've still got some work to go, um, but that was really positive. So that's kind of more of a quantitative example, but I think more powerful is the qualitative examples. And, and let me give you a, um, another example. I was working with a um, an organization about 150 to 200 employees, and I was working with their top 20 leaders. And this is in an, it's in the painting industry. And I would say that these top 20 leaders they were a little bit gruff, right? They they're just willing to get their hands dirty. They're um, you know, there were a lot of big bushy beards in the room and, and, and things like really great people. And there was one guy in the room in particular who had this big bushy beard. He probably was six, four, and he was just big. He was just built. And I think he had a military background. So when he stepped in the room, everybody knew it. Right. But the thing about it what was interesting is over the series of about four different workshops I did with this group, he didn't say a word. And, and the first three workshops were virtual, and then the fourth one was in person. And because he hadn't said a word, and I hadn't really gotten to know him, I went up to him during a break, and I said, hey, how, how is this sitting with you? And I was expecting him to say, this is a load of crap, um, just because he hadn't said anything. He didn't seem very engaged. And, and he looks at me, and he says, I think about my mindsets every day. Every day I'm asking myself, am I closed or open-minded? And that was the one that he struggled with the most on his assessment. And, and he just, it's been, it's been life-changing just to become conscious of this, to be able to focus on it and to be able to do something about it. And, and to me, that's, that's the beautiful aspect about focusing on mindsets is it elevates one's level of consciousness about themselves. And, and when we can do that, we can be more intentional about who we're bringing to the situations that we're encountering. What a great example. And, and to know it's not just limited to banking or the financial industry, but it, it probably hits many other industries. And, and you had another example of a painting company, and I'm sure there's many others that, that you've been able to work with. So thank you for sharing that. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks for asking. Yeah. So, um, the last time we talked, you shared something about vertical development and success mindsets is your book that you have out now. And that's about horizontal development. Is that right? And no. So it's really interesting. Um, I think if so, I'm working on my second book, which is all about vertical yeah. development. And if I would have known about vertical development before I wrote success mindsets, I would have wrote the vertical development book first and the mindsets book second, because what I've learned as I, and I'll, I'll define vertical development here in just a minute, is that the vertical development helps us to understand why we need to focus on mindsets. Um, and so vertical development is almost the prequel to mindset. So let me define what vertical development is and how it differs from horizontal development. So what, uh, there really are two different forms of development. They're what I call horizontal development and then vertical development. And I would say 95% of all development efforts focuses on horizontal development. Where, and what that is, is adding new knowledge, skills, or competencies to what we have. It's like downloading an app on an iPad. What that new app does is it allows that iPad to do more than what it could do previously. And that's, that's helpful. We surely need some horizontal development, but it, that form of development is limited because just adding an app on the iPad doesn't necessarily improve how effectively that iPad operates altogether. 
And so that's where vertical development comes in. Vertical development is all about upgrading that iPad's internal operating system. So the technical definition of, of vertical development, and this is a mouthful, but it's elevating our ability to make meaning of our world in more cognitively and emotionally sophisticated ways. And so let me let me just make that come to life for you. So Catherine, how would you say most people respond to constructive criticism? Not well. They shut right? down. They'll, they probably get defensive or shut mm-hmm. down, right? And why do they do that? Well, it's because they make meaning of constructive criticism as though it is an attack. And then when we see constructive criticism as an attack, then of course we're going to get defensive or shut down. That makes complete sense. But then we've got to ask ourselves, is making meaning of constructive criticism as an attack cognitively and emotionally sophisticated? And I don't think it is, right? The next level up might be, well, it depends on who delivers it and how they deliver it. Right? That, that to me feels a little bit more cognitively and emotionally sophisticated. But at the highest level would be something along the lines of, I love constructive criticism, regardless of who delivers it and how they deliver it, because that constructive criticism is an opportunity for me to learn and grow. What they're doing is they're getting to this place where they're kind of cognitively and emotionally okay with being told that they are bad. And it's just not easy to get there, right? And and so vertical development is all about elevating our cognitive and emotional sophistication so we can make meaning of the world in better ways. Let me give you another example. I was on the phone yesterday with an individual and he says, I just have a really hard time when my subordinates um, give me critical feedback. He's just like, I, I find it to be incredibly disrespectful. And he, and he says, I know, I know it's wrong to, cause I, I get defensive, I get reactive and I don't handle those situations very well. And, and he's just like, I, I know that I need to fix that, right? That's an element, a place in my life where I'm not very cognitively and emotionally sophisticated. And so vertical development is all about, in the work that I'm going to be doing with him and his team, is all about taking that, understanding, okay, where are you at? Where does this come from? And how do we help you make meaning of these things in more productive ways so that you're not, he tells me, I'm up at two o'clock in the morning stewing over what this employee told me. It's like, Come on, like that's the last thing we ever want you to do. We want you to sleep soundly at night. And the reason why you're struggling with this is because there's an area where you may not be as cognitively and emotionally sophisticated as you could be. So what are one or two tips to be able to go to sleep at night? Knowing, first of all, just knowing, okay, well, you know, I can work with Ryan and and he can help me put some clarity around what what I'm feeling right now, but in the immediate term, yeah, I just had that same phone call. How does Ryan know that I just had that happen? So how do I begin to shift my mindset um, to be able to receive it? Are there any tips or tricks just to somebody who's like, I need an answer now because I can't sleep. (laughs) Yeah. So, and this is so vertical development is elevating our cognitive emotional sophistication. And how do we go about vertically developing? Well, we need to If we go back to the definition of vertical development, which is elevating our ability to make meaning of our world in more cognitively and emotionally sophisticated ways, the key phrase in that definition is make meaning. If we want to 
vertically developed, we've got to focus on our meaning makers. Well, what are our meaning makers? They are our mindsets. And so the best way for us to vertically develop is to focus on our mindsets and shift shift our mindsets. In this instance, it would be to a, from a closed to an open mindset. And so I think how we go about shifting our mindsets is we need to understand a couple of things. One, we're never going to shift our mindsets if we don't become aware of them first. Um, so awareness is key. But second, what we need to understand is our mindsets are, aren't just kind of our feelings towards something. They're literally neural connections in our brain. And we've all got, let's just say, a closed mindset neural connection and an open mindset neural connection. So, And we could utilize both. But what we generally do is we utilize the one that is stronger, right? The mindset that is stronger is the one we utilize because it fires more readily and it fires more rapidly. And so this guy seems to have more of a closed mindset, meaning that that neural connection is stronger than his open mindset. This isn't to say that he can't turn on the open mindset at times, but in order for him to do so, it needs to be really intentional. Now, if he wants to go about shifting his mindsets, what we need to understand is that our neurons and neural connections, those that fire together, wire together, right? The more we use them, the stronger they become. It's a lot like our muscles. And so for this gentleman, what we're going to be working through is he needs to engage in tiny habits um, that are effectively hitting the gym for these neural connections. As he continually exercises and strengthens his open mindset neural connection, his closed mindset neural connection will start to atrophy. And, and what, what research has found on mindsets in the course of two to three weeks of exercising our mindsets, we could see really significant shifts in, in how we're seeing and making meaning of the world. And, and so I think it starts, just to summarize that, starts with awareness. So I would say go to my mindset assessment. And then second is start exercising those positive mindsets. And if you take my mindset assessment, you'll get a whole host of exercises that you can engage in. So it's, it starts with the recognition or the awareness, and then you have to make that decision to kind of reframe it. And then a lot of this is creating small behavior changes and then celebrating those wins over a time frame. So you're retraining just like you do when you start going to the gym, you're retraining your thought process on this. And so the new behavior kicks in and celebrating the progress and the success is huge to uh, gaining that momentum. So yep. yeah, that's going to be exciting. Are you going to write about it in your new book? Yep. So the whole book's all about vertical development. We identify that, and there's research to back this up, that there's three different vertical development levels. I call them mine 1.0, mine 2.0, and mine 3.0. And the research on this is really fascinating because, and it goes, it stems from developmental psychology. And what develop, developmental psychologists have found is that adults can develop vertically, but most do not. In fact, what they found is 64% of adults stay at the same level of cognitive and emotional sophistication that they entered adulthood in. So 64% stay at mind 1.0, 35% bump up to mind 2.0, and only 1% gets up to mind 3.0. Um, and, and that's really where that mind 3.0 is really where effective leadership resides. And so a whole book is what are the, these mind levels? Uh, how are they different from each other and how do we elevate to get up to mind 3.0? I love it. Thank you for sharing that. We're excited. Do you have a date yet for that book? 
Uh, I'm just about done with the rough draft. And then I could go to my publisher and say, let's set a date. So I'm anticipating it won't be till next summer sometime. Okay. Well, that'll be exciting. Your, uh, your other book, Success Mindsets, is, is a great piece to reference and be able to bounce back to. And um, I found it very helpful. And I have to share, you know, when we worked together a number of years ago, you came in and closed out a conference. And I think it was just, a, I got lucky. And I, I put you in as the closing speaker because it's mindset and you want to send everybody off in, in the right mindset, um, going back out to sell and, and develop and grow the business. And what you did, which surprised me, which I loved, was you took all the other speakers that spoke before you and you compiled that information and used it as reference and within your stories that you were telling. And so the first thing you did was you you were present and you were in the room when the other speakers were speaking. So that I know was time demanding on you, but you were able to take that and, and turn it into something even more impactful for the group as you shared about the mindsets and, and sent them off to go back to their day to day. And I'm curious, is that just a, a hidden talent that you have or is that the uh, the mindset that you carry? How do you manage to just synthesize that much information, be able to put it in and make tweaks to your existing presentation the night before in order to really deliver something that was tailored to that group? And you didn't necessarily know about the day-to-day operations of this group, but you could execute and be able to tell stories so they could connect is that all about mindsets or is that just your brilliance? Um, you're, I think you're giving me way more credit than I deserve. And I think it, it speaks more to, because in that situation, um, what I would say is, is what we were, what we saw maybe during the course of the conference was a little bit more horizontal development. Mm-hmm. And, and Everything that undergirds any horizontal development is mindsets. Mindsets truly are the most foundational aspect of who we are because they shape how we see the world, how we see the world shapes, how we think, how we learn and how we behave. And so for me, I could t- I feel like I could take any topic and be able to say what is underneath this is mindsets and here's the connection. And so um, when, when we understand that mindsets are the foundation then, then for me, I feel like I can connect those dots. And for others, it may seem um, like really insightful, which hopefully it is. But at the same time, it's it's kind of obvious when you know about mindsets. Um, and, and the problem is, is just most people don't know about mindsets, don't understand the foundational role that they play in our lives. And so um, I, I think I could come into almost any speech and be supportive of what they're saying but also at that same time, hopefully even deepen our understanding of that because we're getting it more of a foundational level. Yeah, you, you've got great feedback. And I just remember that from a few years ago and tying it together. It was it was just a really nice way to end something, but yet open the door to another opportunity for another conversation. So it was well done. Um, so as, as we close out today, if someone is interested in learning more about you and your work, what are some good ways um, to be able to just kind of dive into this a little bit more. I know you've got some videos and things on your website, but I just want to turn it over to you to share. Yeah. Uh, website, ryangoffertson.com. Take my mindset assessment, uh, get my book. You all find that there. And then uh, if you want to follow me on social media, I'm most active on LinkedIn and would love to connect with anybody there. 
Wonderful. Thank you. Brian Gaffertson, you are a leadership consultant and leadership professor. You are found on the web at ryangoffertson.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Catherine. My team and I just want to say thank you for tuning in to the Business Vitality Podcast. We really appreciate you being here. If you know of another leader, another CEO, a founder who has another success story that they are willing to share and be able to pay it forward, we would love to highlight their stories on this podcast. You can find more information at katherinecanty.com. And in the meantime, if you could take a minute and rate this show, that would be super helpful because that's going to allow more people like you to find us in order to continue to pay it forward. Again, if you need to learn any additional information, we are happy to help. You can find us more at katherinecanty.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn with my name, Katherine Canty. Thanks so much for being here.